Hello, fabulous listeners. Thanks for tuning in to Old Bodies Outside. This is your host, Brian Peterson. This episode's guest is Vanessa Mio. She serves as the Community Services Associate for Park Pride, which is a nonprofit with the mission to engage the community to activate the power of parks. Vanessa is a nature artist and a master birder. Also, she has three youngsters who teach her all kinds of new ways to see nature, and through their sense of wonder, she enjoys a sense of wonder. Vanessa, it's a pleasure to have you on Old Bodies Outside. Well, thank you so much for having me, Brian. I'm really happy to be here to speak with you. Yeah, yeah. Well, you came highly regarded from Tamil Watts. <laughs> She's incredible. And did you two meet through the birding world? Yes, we did. Um, you know, so you never know who you're going to meet from all across the world. And it was a pleasure to have cross paths with her. And it's, it seems like the um, there's a lot of great communities within birding. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, on a global level, on a local level, on a state level, um, of all uh, degrees of knowledge, um, there's just so much to learn. Yeah. And so I, many I, incredible I, people. Same. Yeah, I've come across that um, there, there's a lot of knowledge within those communities about all sorts of things, even with what type of equipment and gear to bring with you? Yeah, yeah. Well, let's get this conversation started here. And I wanted to, you know, one of the things that I was so excited to have you on the podcast was just to hear about everything you're doing to activate the power of parks. I really like that kind of phrase there, activate the power of parks. And parks have scientifically been shown to be so important for a variety of health reasons, physical, mental, um, it's also been shown to be a great place to strengthen family bonds and societal bonds. And so it's something that is really important to have greater access to nature, whether that's in an urban setting or in other spaces. Um, and so I've wanted to start off the conversation with hearing about how did nature become important to you as a kid? And how is it something that is critical for your well-being as an adult? Well, as a kid... Um... Growing up in Florida, you know, it's easy to spend time outside unless it's rainy weather, hurricane season. Um, <laughs> and growing up with, you know, a family from the West Indies, we spent a lot of time outside. Um, we had gardens and mango trees and grapefruit and oranges. Um, my dad really enjoyed spending time planting these foods. Um, and my mother, um, she was really into the science piece of it. Uh, she actually purchased a bird feeder for my sister and I, and she placed it on the window of our bedroom. I must have been about five years old. And um, in the mornings, we would often hear like tap tapping or rustling in the bird feeder. And we would sneak out of our bed, or not sneak, but creep out of our bed into our parents' room and get our mom. And she would come in and open the blinds slowly. And we would all sit there on the bed and watch the birds. Um, so it was just that just was just like, oh, my goodness. Wow. Seeing a bird, you know, so up close in my room, pretty much in the comfort of my room was incredible. Um, we spent a lot of time in the parks with our family members, our aunts, great aunts, grandparents. We'd go for walks and, um, you know, kind of slow down on that as I became a little older, going to high school and college. And um, it was I actually strange enough, I. 
actually have my degree in acupuncture and traditional Chinese medicine, which is so far away of everything that I'm doing now. But I will never forget in one of the classes that I had, a professor said, um, when we're you know, studying yin and yang, you know, yang, the heavens above us and yin, the earth below us, and us as human beings, we're in between it. So we cannot separate ourselves from nature and the environment around us. So that really stuck to me and stuck with me. And as I went on and had my first child, you know, I, I'll be honest with you, I, I had no interaction with children growing up <laughs> myself. Um, so having my own child, I'm like, oh my goodness, what do I do now? Um, what can I do so that she just won't, she's not sitting there staring at me all day. So I went for walks and I'm like, wow, this is just really nice. Fresh air, the breeze, the trees. And she was just so enchanted by it all. And I was like, wow, you like it. I like it. Let's keep this going. Um, the more we would go outside, we went to different seasons and I saw how things would change. Um, as she got older, she was walking and, or not walking yet, but had her head up and looking around and being more observant and we would check things out together. So um, as a child uh, with my family, that foundation was laid. And then as an adult with my own child, watching how she observe the world and being able to slow down at a child's pace and getting down low to the ground and looking at things at her level um, really allowed me to appreciate it differently because I, you know, as an adult, I have this awareness and this knowledge, but moving slower as a child allowed me to appreciate those things. Um, and with that appreciation, I then wanted to back it up with action. So that's how I ended up where I am. Now. So. Uh, Vanessa, thanks for sharing that explanation about how you got interested in nature as a kid. It sounds like that's really wonderful with your dad being a gardener, your mom kind of having a more scientific approach. And it's, it was great to hear how that was something that was led, left such a great impression on you as a kid. And you kind of later picked it up in life and it's something that you get to share with your kids. That sounded really powerful. Yeah. So when you're out in nature and you, you have your kids along, which I got to imagine is, is full of joy, but also can, you know, come with some, some aspects of, you know, you gotta, you gotta do a little more management of just what's going on. And so what are some of your favorite activities to do when you're out in a park or protected area with your, your family or your kids? Mm -hmm. Um, uh, I, <laughs> It's funny how you said it, you know, yeah, there's a pros and cons to it, but we, we all try to have as much fun as we can. <laughs> um, for me, it's just really understanding the space before we go, um, uh, making sure it's not too long, not too short. There's different things that they can look at and observe. Um, we like to uh, look at the birds. The kids love to climb on stuff. Um, if it's the if it's a space where they're able and allowed to do so kind of get off the path and climb on some things they, they're totally down for it they love to explore um the water if there's any creeks um they love to well yeah the water anything with like mud and water they are game <laughs> <laughs> uh, but they really enjoy themselves while looking at the clouds my son likes to sit down, look at the clouds, look at the birds, bugs, any of the little stuff they like to sit down and observe. 
Yeah, well, it sounds like all of us as adults, too, could take the time to observe the clouds a little more often. I mean, I honestly can't even remember the last time I stopped to do that, which I think that that honestly sounds fantastic to do. But it sounds like going out into parks or protected areas with kids, one of the biggest pieces of advice is is definitely plan ahead. Um, And so when you are planning ahead, what sorts of things are you assessing to be like, okay, hey, this is a great place to bring my family or, hey, maybe we'll pass on this place for the time being? Mm-hmm. The distance, I look at the, the, the distance of the trails. Um, uh, I look at if there's, you know, if there's seating area, if there might be a bathroom. Um, if there's no bathroom, going back to how long the trail is, <laughs> making sure we're able to get back so that they can use the bathroom. Um, those are the key things that I, I kind of look out for when heading out to like a park or a green space. Sometimes if they're in the mood um, for a playground, it's nice to find a place that does have like that natural, um, like the trails as well as a park, a playground area. Um, But those are about the few things that I look for when looking at a park. Yeah, it seems like kind of coming through that research, checking in advance, led you to the hashtag um, Park Mom Approved. Um, if you want yes. to share with the listening audience about Park Mom Approved. Yeah, um, so when my family and I would go out to parks, I would often take pictures and people would say, oh my goodness, like, where is this park? I'm like, it's literally right around the corner from you. I had no idea. Vanessa, please share where you're going to check out these parks. So um, I just came up with a the hashtag, you know, park mom approved. I consider myself a park mom because um, at the time I wasn't like a soccer mom or a cheer mom or I was a park mom. Like the kids needed to get out. They wanted something to do. They wanted to have fun. We're going to the parks. Um, So I would share like, hey, this park has my stamp of approval. People respected that and they um, would head out and explore those parks and green spaces in their local area. Yeah, well, what a great way to inspire others and also um, kind of temper any hesitations they might have or reservations they might have. Um, you know, they know that if it's got the hashtag Park Mom approved from Vanessa, uh, good place to bring the youngsters. Right. <laughs> um, so, uh, on top of going and enjoying nature with your kids and sharing in that wonder with them and just really being in awe, you also though have been involved, your, your past is pretty, is very rich with um, community engaged projects, projects that you've done personally. And so I don't know if you wanted to highlight some of the community projects that you have um, come up with and really led and also some of the personal projects you like to do too that all revolve around nature and getting out in the parks. Yeah. Um, so. I guess as a branch off of Park Mom Approved, people would see like the activities I would do with my kids. May it be bird watching or nature journaling, um, you know, tree ID. Um, They were like, Vanessa, we would love to go out with you. How can we do that? Um, And being a birder and uh, I led with that. I felt like that was one of the, I don't want to say the easiest thing, but something that was most close to my heart. Um, so I would lead uh, bird walks with families to invite them to come out, check out a different park, um, take the time to learn something about um, 
maybe some birds they have never seen or birds that they have seen and didn't really know much about. Um, and it was a great response. It was mostly geared toward, um, you know, like a three to seven, eight years old. Um, and uh, many moons ago, I was actually a, a tinker garden leader. So using that environmental learning within green spaces um, and nature play um, was something that I did. Um, on more of a personal level, I uh, that appreciation for these green spaces, specifically urban green spaces. I know that a lot of people have um, have this desire to go out to these faraway destination trips um, to explore these natural green spaces, which is incredible as well, but I, I don't want to overshadow the jewels that we have in our own neighborhoods. Um, so I wanted to highlight these spaces um, through storytelling. Um, I read a lot with my kids and um, that's how they're able to really see, learn different things, see different cultures. I like, I, there was a quote that said, you know, books are both, um, I believe it's like windows and sliding doors. You're able to kind of look into uh, other spaces through these books and stories. And I wanted to see something different in the books that I was reading to my children. So that's why I came up with the idea to create a children's magazine uh, called Good Natured Roots. Um, and it's really highlighting the benefits and the importance of our urban green spaces and the historical importance and the stories that they hold. and um, how we as stewards can do our part to protect them for not only ourselves today, but for our children and generations in the future. So um, that's something I'm very excited to be working on. Yeah, that's fantastic. And I love that you underscored urban green spaces. Um, they are immensely important. They're the places that people, you know, have access to for the most part on a daily basis. I mean, some people, you know, it's access can be difficult for some places, but at least like, it's not saying you have to travel super far away, like an iconic national park, say if it's Grand Canyon or Yellowstone or something like that. And these urban spaces, um, are really important to, um, you know, get people to see the joy in them, uh, get people to know that they're there. Like kind of like you're mentioning before, like, um, you know, using the hashtag parks, mom approve, um, people are like, Oh my gosh, Vanessa, this park is right here. I didn't even know about it. Um, you know, gaining a little bit of um, you know, showing people that those do exist nearby. And I think that's a great place to serve as an outlet, be able to go mm -hmm. into nature. Um, and I think that, you know, recently, I think it was yesterday, I was reading an article, I don't know where, but it was something in California, in Orange County, California, um, at some like urban park, uh, some sort of new um, centipede was discovered. And it was really? right. Yeah. And it, it's, it's not in this like far off place. It was just that yeah. it lives a little bit beneath the dirt, a couple inches down. And so it hadn't been discovered. Um, but it was discovered in this place that is highly populated in Southern California. Um, and it's, it's an yeah. urban green space that people visit all the time. And it's just been living there undiscovered all this time. Wow. See, look at that right in our backyards. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I like to cool. think of parks as like, you know, not only just a place to go and play, but it's, it could be a classroom. It is a classroom to learn um, and to connect with neighbors and to relax and just to, you know, just reset. So parks just service, uh, you know, so many uh, areas of healing and growth for the community. 
Yeah, it absolutely does. And there, there's a lot of scientific evidence of the value of that leisure and recreation um, out in, in green spaces. And um, just to say it again, it, it's it's really important for those urban green spaces to be around. Um, you know, that's something that people can get to a little bit easier than far off destinations. Um, and I know when I travel um, the, in June, I traveled up to Portland, Maine for um, a conference. And that was the first thing I was looking up was, hey, where are some parks? I, I like to go running in the mornings, but I like to go running in parks. I want to be on trails. I don't want to be out in the streets um, if I can prevent that. And so that's always the first thing I look up. So I was like, hey, where are there some parks in Portland, Maine that I can go check out and um, be in and start my, my day that way? That's how I like to start my day is being out in nature. Yeah, absolutely. I will get up for some birds too. <laughs> first thing in the morning. Yeah. And, and do you, do you have a, a favorite time that you like to bird? Is, is there a preference or is all times good for birding? It depends on what you want to see. Um, so it's known that in the mornings, you know, the birds are most active. And then of course, as the day gets warmer, um, and the, uh, the birds kind of settle down because they want to preserve their energy and whatnot. And then later on in the day, you know, dinner time, it cools down, the mosquitoes and bugs are more active again. Um, and then they come back out. So, um, but my favorite type of bird is like the waterfall of birds that are close to the water, like the white ibises. That's one of my favorite birds. Um, you know, the herons and such, those are out all the time. So if you, if I wanted to see, you know, those birds, um, I would go out anytime, but, um, you know, like the warblers and such is mostly like in the morning. So I, it doesn't matter. I will always find something to see. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> it doesn't matter the time. <laughs> and so, with with birding, um, did, did did was it birding that was kind of the impetus for you to begin being a nature photographer? Yes, um, the, I mean, I would take pictures of like flowers and such, but I when I started really paying attention to birds, I'm like, man, that is such a beautiful bird. Like, I really would like to take a picture of that. Um, could only do so much with my phone. Um, then I went out to get something um, a little better, more suitable for birding, bird photography. Um, and I just, I fell in love. Um, so now it's to the point, like I would go out early in the mornings to go take pictures of birds and spend, well not just take pictures, but to spend time with the birds. And being out there in the morning as it warms up, the butterflies would come out. So then I would, I really enjoy taking pictures of butterflies. So. I'm a glutton for punishment because I like to take pictures of things that fly away. <laughs> yeah, I think so. It sounds very challenging. Um, so I'm sure you're pretty skilled at this point then. <laughs> Always something to learn, but you know. <laughs> yeah. And, and so on top of photography, earlier you mentioned uh, nature journaling. And I want to know what that journaling looks like. Is it is it writing, writing some poems? Is it maybe doing some watercolors? Is it sketching? Is it kind of just whatever you want it to be for the day? Like how, how, what's nature journaling look like for you? What's it look like for your kids? For my kids, it's, it's just, I don't want to say just, for my kids, it is drawing what they see. Um, they like to sit down and um, if it's a bird or not a, a bird or a body of water or some trees, they enjoy doing that. And they'd actually sit down there for quite some time and and do their journaling. For me, um, I enjoy sketching. I wouldn't call myself a 
an illustrator by any means, but <laughs> I really do enjoy the sketching and watercolor painting. Yeah. How long did it take you to pick up? Have you always been uh, a sketcher or is that something you picked up? Nope. I, I wouldn't say I picked it up either. <laughs> <laughs> I am developing, but it brings me, even though it doesn't look all that good, yeah. I'm like, man, I really like how these shapes look and how the colors come together. So I'm happy with it. I wouldn't dare, you know, submit it into a contest, but <laughs> well, I enjoy it. Yeah, and I gotta imagine with sketching though, um, it, it, maybe it's not about the product; it's about the uh, the ability of observing for a prolonged period. Yeah, that's true. And I feel like there's that's a lot of true. satisfaction in that, and almost maybe get into a bit of a flow state with nature too. Just you know, having yeah. this like really focused um, observation. Right. I was just about to say, paying attention to detail, like wow, like this this pattern reminds me of something, and. I never noticed that shape or those colors. So it does really um, uh, encourage you to pay attention to different things. So it is a lot of fun. Yeah. And so with all this variety of colors in nature, is that something too that ends up getting explored, say with watercolors, we got to put combinations of colors together to try to get this very unique color that you're seeing in nature. Yeah, yeah. There, there is always something to learn. I really enjoy it. Yeah. Yeah. In what ways do you, you know, you mentioned that being out in parks, it, it's such a great classroom. Um, and are there, mm -hmm. and you know, your mom kind of brought a, a scientific approach to kind of looking at nature and whatnot. Is there, how does that look like if you're like, okay, today I want to, you know, kind of have a little bit of a classroom thing, some sort of exercise with my kids for 30 minutes to an hour, whatever their attention span would be. Um, do you kind of pre-plan ahead some like maybe kind of focused scientific types of classroom exercises or, or anything like that? I let them lead. I do. So if they ask a question, like, you know what, let's explore that. Nice. Um, then we would get all of our observations. We'll sit down, we'll ask more questions. We'll come up with hypothesis. We'll, um, you know, get all that out in conversation and then we'll take it inside. We might look up some stuff on the internet, watch um, some videos, take that party to the library, get some books. Um, if there is a museum nearby that may have an exhibit about that, we'll take that party over there too. So um, I really try to let them lead in that space of learning and just, I am the person that helps make it all happen. But it's, for me, it's very, it's a lot of um, interest led. Yeah, well, it sounds like you're a master facilitator, but I think, you know, on the the soft skill sides, uh, soft skills side of it, uh, your kids are learning how to formulate effective questions. They're learning how to investigate those questions, come up with results. Do those results make sense to their initial thinking, their hypothesis? Um, that's all just like under the umbrella of critical thinking skills right there. So that sounds really yeah. good to me. Yeah, they enjoy it. And I learned something too all the time. I'm like, oh my goodness, really? So it was a yes. lot of fun. <laughs> Who's teaching who here, you know? Exactly. <laughs> It's so true. It's so true. And I, I, I even relate to that as, um, so I'm a professor at Kansas State University. I even relate to that with undergrad students, graduate students. Um, I'm always like, 
I might be have the titles of professor, but I'm the one that's doing the learning. <laughs> right. <laughs> so over at, uh, at Park Pride, um, that's a, a relatively new position for you. Um, and congrats on getting that here in 2023, in the spring of 2023. And so uh, Park Pride, it, it is, it's, it's a nonprofit. It's located in Atlanta. Correct. Yes. Yeah. And so um, you're serving as the community services associate. And so what types of responsibilities and projects are you currently focusing, focusing on with Park Pride? Um, so there I'm really focusing on uh, coming up with strategies to best engage the community and um, in ways to activate their, um, their parks. Um, we do so in, in numerous ways of um, providing resources and um, opportunities to learn, not just from you know other organizations or government entities, but also from other groups um, who work within their parks. Um, so again, it's just, we have, there's like well over 200, about 300 parks in Atlanta, um, not all of those, Parks have what we call friends of parks groups, um, but many have been together for a short amount of time or even for years, many years, um, from smaller green spaces to even conservancies. Um, and just being able to um, see that they can, um, they have the opportunity, like I said, to bounce ideas off of each other, share with resources, um, connect them with any entities or organizations that can provide them with further information and resources so it's almost like a, a, a putting a network together that people can more clearly see or parks can more clearly see um to share those resources because it seems like with my perception which could be incorrect but it, it, resources around parks are, are kind of slim um and so it, it can be beneficial to be sharing and also just sharing knowledge of um how to overcome some challenges and hurdles that do come up with the management of parks correct Right. Oh, yeah. So with getting out into nature, especially the urban green spaces, which are really important, what are your recommendations for people that are listening to this and they, they're kind of starting to get the itch a little bit to go out into nature, but they're not so sure. It's not something that they necessarily grew up with. Um, maybe they didn't have parents that were like yours. Um, but they're, they're, they're getting inspired and whatnot, and um, they're not sure where to start or where to go. What would be your advice for them? Um, finding a community is always helpful, whatever it is. Um, if you're into birds, um, well, I guess at that point, you don't even know what you're into, right? <laughs> um, Finding an environmental uh, organization that may offer some classes or workshops so you can kind of have a starting point of what interests you to see what you kind of want to spend time with. Um, spending time in the parks are always a good, you know, good step as well. Talking to those in the park if you feel comfortable enough to do that because you never know who is um, like doing the work in the parks. I feel like the people who are um, a part of these organizations spend a lot of time there just to observe and check things out to see how things are going. So one, go into the park, spend time, talk to folks if you feel comfortable doing so. Um, 
look up organizations um, who are active in your community. Um, if you know the types of things that you're interested in, there's, you know, what amphibian organization, there's birds, there's reptiles, you know, those people who are into trees and, um, shoot, I don't know, there's, there's so many little pieces, right? There's a, there's a whole, there's a different world out there. Um, so finding your, 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 your tribe, finding your people who share the same interest. Um, if it's not like the science -y stuff, if you like to write, I'm, there's writing groups that like to go up to these green spaces, just sit down and write or draw. I recently found a, a sketching group that likes to go out and just, you know, sketch outside. So um, if you're more hands-on, there's organizations that are looking for people to help um, keep the watersheds clean and, and healthy. And uh, what else? Plant trees, pull invasive plants. What else, Brian? Help me out. There's a whole bunch of stuff, right? <laughs> yeah, there. You you did a great. You did a way better job listing the variety of things than I could have. But I, I have seen groups of people going out and sketching together. Um, they have their sketchbooks, and it almost looked like it's probably a sketching group. Um, I've mm -hmm. seen that at sunset before in parks. Um, I've seen people out painting together. Um, I've seen different types of hiking groups for different oh. types of demographics. Um, and you know, that's something that can range from all different types of communities within that church groups, whatever. Um, yeah, different types of exercise so groups, um, so insects. Much. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, one of the things too, that is, is really helpful too, is if there's any guided nature hikes by an expert. So say it's an expert that isn't uh, really well versed about insects or birds, um, going birds. In and going to those types of um, guided nature walks. And mm -hmm. from there, maybe that might be a place that you can start forming a community. But luckily, we are alive during the age of social media. Um, and there are a variety of groups on Facebook. Uh, there might be meetup groups, stuff like that to um, get out and, you know, maybe go out into nature with other people too. So you have, a, you know, a strong perception of safety too for when you're starting to transition into, you know, going out into nature and getting comfortable out there. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, especially how you said the, the safety piece. Um, it's very important in this day and age to ensure that, um, you know, you go with the group, uh, make sure, you know, like we talked about before, being prepared, knowing where you're, where you're going and how long that hike is and you know, all the safety points. So, yeah. Yeah, I, I think it's it's a very real thing. It's it's there, there is a level of like, hey, like go find your own park, go find a guided nature hike. But there's some people might be like, hey, that's all fantastic. But I still don't think I would perceive that I'd feel safe out there for a variety of reasons. And so I think that that's something too, that um, is, can be a barrier for a lot of people and whatnot and trying to, you know, overcome that and finding ways to overcome that can be challenging. I think that's where it's, it's good to hear how other people kind of have perceived those barriers, perceive their safety. And, you know, one thing could be, you know, find a community to go out with so that you're with other people and whatnot, a community that you have um, commonality with, um, great place to start with getting into nature. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, Vanessa, it's been great chatting today. Um, I really liked hearing about um, Park Pride. I actually had never heard of Park Pride before uh, this recording and preparing for this recording. I came across Park Pride 
Um, and I love the pictures that you're taking. So thanks for posting those and sharing those on Instagram. It's fun to follow you. Um, and also creating the hashtag park mom approved. I think that that's something that's so powerful. That's been overlooked by a lot of people. Um, and that really can give people that extra, maybe that, you know, overcoming that perception of safety, um, to give them the confidence that, okay, this park's going to be good for me and my kids. So thanks for everything you're doing. Thank you for, yeah, thank you. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun, a lot of learning. <laughs> yeah. Okay, Vanessa, I'm going to put on the outro music and we'll call it an episode. Okay, thank you so much, Brian. Yeah, you're welcome. Great to meet you. Likewise.